of heaven God of angel armies you're the power inside me you're the prince of peace in the mystery God of angel armies you're the power inside me you're the voice of peace in anxiety the still small voice getting louder like a lion how you roar with peace in the chaos of the moment you're the still small voice getting louder 
Voice of peace and anxiety. 
Your life for us, keeping me in mind on that dream you died. Three days further on, the rising of the sun. Seasons change, but your love still remains. And I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Faithful God and you're always for me And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you All my praise is yours, I give you glory
as your words become my truth. Oh, I'm holding on to you. And as your words become my peace, won't you come and reside in me? And I won't forget how far I've come. No, I won't neglect the promise you've given. And I will remember you're by me forever, my friend and my healer. The joy I've found in surrendering all my life to your call, surrendering all. For your glory, I'm surrendering all. I know the joy of it all is Jesus. As your words become my truth Oh, I'm holding on to you And as your words they become my peace Won't you come in me, in me. Oh, I won't forget how far I've come. No, I won't neglect the promise you've given. And I will remember your by me forever, my friend and my healer, the joy I've found. Surrendering all my life to your call Surrendering all for your glory I'm surrendering all I know the joy of it all is Jesus Oh, I'm surrendering all my life to your call Surrendering all for your glory, I'm surrendering all. I know the joy of it all is Jesus. Ooh, and I surrender all. I surrender all. Savior, I surrender all. And 
Welcome to Her Story at the Rock Church. We miss you. Today, we are so excited to have Bruce and Marilyn Pringle here with us. This month, we will celebrate with a his story or a history alongside her story. It's a special day. We get a bonus man along with our woman, so you're going to love it. So... You're going to love not only the fact that we have two people here today, but this story will surprise you just like it did Dallas and I. We had the privilege of being there the day that they got married, and you are going to uh, hear how God miraculously brought these two together. We couldn't be happier for the two of them, and I have been anticipating this day when you get to hear the story along with the rest of us. Thank you to all of you who have been faithfully and generously giving to the Rock Church this month. Without you, we couldn't do this. You have been sustaining us to continue to reach our Bibleville and shift and see 23 families Um, It has been such a different summer around here, and for the last 20 years, normally at this time, we are getting up and running for summer camps, and it is so different not to have camp that way, but COVID. So instead of weekly in-house, in-church programs, we were not able to do that. We needed to find ways of connecting by phone, by mail, and through Zoom. And now, recently, we've been visiting outdoors as the weather has cooperated. Um, There have been visits for every program over the past month, and now the province has opened up for day camps so we can begin to have some small groups in-person programs. And that will happen very soon. There will be, of course, restrictions in how we run these camps, so we humbly ask if you would pray with us. We need wisdom and strategy and direction so that we can love our kids and our youth and the families well. So let's pray right now. Father, we thank you that you are in all of this, that even with COVID, you are reworking 
our plans and our strategies. You're re reworking our ministry to be able to be used in new and different ways. We trust you, Father, that you have good things in store for us and that you have good things in store for the kids and the youth and all of their families. We pray blessing on them. We pray protection on them, God, that you would direct their steps, you would direct our steps as we go out and visit, and that you would direct our steps as we try to make new ways of having day camp kind of programs for them. We thank you for our staff. We pray that you would infuse them with discernment and understanding of how to reach people in new ways. We thank you for what you've already done. You have done so much. I pray for the ladies. I pray for the men that are watching today. God, we thank you for them, that we get to connect through these um, technological ways again today. You've been so good. Continue to walk with us through this summer and anoint this message from Bruce and Marilyn. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And without further ado, here's Bruce and Marilyn. Thank you for inviting us this evening. We want to start with the psalmist as he talks about his own testimony when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forgives all his iniquities, heals all thy diseases, redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. As I think of that phrase, redeems thy life from destruction, I think very clearly of my own walk with Almighty God. A number of years ago, it was my privilege to visit in Victoria, British Columbia, with Fern and I. There were several people we wanted to visit with during that time, Vic was a roommate that I had when I was in Kieranport High School. Vic had fallen away from the Lord and married Jean, who was an unbeliever. And one thing that Jean made very clear to Vic was, if Pringle is coming to visit us, you keep him away from me because I don't want him preaching about his Jesus. And we also wanted to see Bert, a man who had been just in such rough shape physically. He was an alcoholic. He was so harsh about his life. When we went to visit him, he and his buddies were with him, were drunk. In fact, one of his buddies wanted to pick a fight with me during that time. As we visited, he was very harsh about his wife. He had left his wife with five children in search, I guess to coin an old cliche, searching for wine, women, and song. She was not there to defend herself, as years earlier, she was killed in a head-on collision outside Prince George, British Columbia. Both she and her boyfriend were drunk and died in that cross, in that crash. Several years after our visit, Bert died. Before he died, he called his eldest son, Dick, to him, and he said, Dick, I want you to promise me, don't let them burn me, or don't let them cremate me. Perhaps... Bert had the idea that if he could face God in a fleshly body, then he'd have a better chance. However, the bodies were mixed up. Bert was burned, cremated by mistake, and the family to this day do not know where Bert's ashes were spread. 
I can relate to that story very well because the woman Bert left with five children was my mother Marie and Bert was my father. My concept of God has changed drastically over the years. As a young boy, I was so afraid of God. I remembered in this little Ontario town, there was a little white church and somebody told me that God lived in that church. And so when I went into that area, I would look at the door of the church and run by as fast as I could because I didn't know that there would be a God that would come out and get me. Of course, I didn't like the police or the social workers either because they came to take us away from our mother and place us in the Children's Aid Society. Even though I was young, I remember the time in Sulacout, Ontario, where the judge looked at my mother and said, you're not able to look after your children, and so they will be made a ward of the state. During that time of deportation, there were two things that I remember very, very clearly. One was the time that we had a, a beautiful breakfast of French toast smothered with ice cream and syrup, something that I hadn't tasted for a very long time. It was just wonderful. The second thing that really got to me was the eye of God in the picture above where we slept. I guess the artist was trying to portray that the eye of God was there to show God looking down from heaven and pointing out the fact that he was looking after those down below. I became very afraid of that because I was afraid that God, even at that time, would get me. But as it turned out, God never left me. During that time, we were moved to a foster home in Kenora, Ontario. In that foster home, my younger brother, one year younger, cried every night, missed his mother. My foster dad was supposed to take care of us. And he was so good to us. I hated my foster mother, perhaps. I hated her because she was replacing my mother that I, lived, that I loved so very much. I can still recall it that day. When my foster dad was heading back to the bedroom to lay down, instead, he sat down in the chair, and as I watched, he slipped off the chair with a heart attack and died in front of me. We were supposed to stay with the foster mother, but I just wanted to move away. I just hated to be there, but I was afraid to rebel. We had the idea that if we rebelled in that foster home, we'd end up in a reform school. And so as a result of that, I turned to sports just to give me some sense of identity. I didn't know who I was, so I excelled at sports. Then at age 15, there was a knock on the classroom door, and they were told at that time that my mother had died. And as we had that opportunity to go home and visit with my sister and my brother, we just didn't really know too much about her because she had left us when I was eight, and this was a time when I was 15 years of age. I rebelled in the foster home, and I just hated to be there. And so finally, my brother and I were kicked out I had a friend that played guitar together, visited together, swam together, we were very good friends. His mother 
was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She was a Christian. Her husband had left her when the third child was born. And as a result of that, she had to raise her children by herself. But Sam begged his mom to take me in. I can imagine how difficult it was for her because in that particular situation, she had three children to look after. And I came from a wild background where I'd just been kicked out of a foster home. Edna said, I will talk to you. And if you agree with what I'm asking you to do, then you can come and live with me. Basically, she said, there's one thing that I want you to do, and I want you to go to church with us on Sunday morning. I thought, well, that was a piece of cake. If somebody would wake me up after I was drinking, or if I had a late band night, then I could go to church. I could flip away my cigarette as I walk into church and then light up as I came out. During that time, I was a lead singer, guitar player in a dance band, and basically I lived for the weekend. I went to that church. The only trouble is there was a pastor who really, really loved me. In fact, it was very important to him that I would make a personal relationship to Christ. Continue to talk to me about Jesus. What it was was a real frustration to me. God, of course, looked after me. He set things up. There was a youth retreat in that small town, Kenora, Ontario, and a couple of gifted musicians and a pastor came to share during that time. I was so very, very thankful. I remember it was a long weekend in 1963 where I went forward on the last verse of all to Jesus I surrender and gave my life to Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful change in my life. Didn't take very long for Pastor Jack Smith to get me moving in the Christian life. He said, now that you're a believer, you need to be baptized. And so in short order, I was baptized. Another thing that was kind of humorous to me, he wanted me to start tithing and I didn't even know what the word meant. And so he explained to me that because I made $50 a week, that all I had to do was put a $5 bill in the offering plate the next Sunday. And I thought that was just so absurd because that would have been the money I needed to buy cigarettes and put gas in the car so I could take my girlfriend out. As God would have it, he continued to move in my life by the Holy Spirit. I understood that very, very clearly. It was interesting in the job that I had. I started tithing, and the next week, my salary went up. I'd been a drunk, drop out of school for a couple of years, and then the same pastor was influential in me going back to school, and I attended Karenport High School for my grade 11. As I got there, I wondered what I was going to do in terms of the process of forgiveness. I needed to forgive my mom, my dad, my foster mom, the social services, and of course, it was very, very important to recognize that if I could not be healed, I could not be healed unless I forgave. And so my process of kneeling at the bunk in that Karen Porter High School and pouring my heart out to God and asking him to take away my anger and my hurt and set me free in Jesus. I remember the time when I was driving in a country road back in Ontario where I said to God, if he can do anything, if you can do anything with my life, I'm on. And here I was. God had changed my life. 
After high school and Bible school, I married Fern, the most wonderful woman in the world, and for 47 years, we served Christ together. God blessed us with two children, Corley and Boyd, received teaching degree and taught high school English, and then finished my master's education in ed psych. And God allowed me with a number of other men and women to start Christian counseling services. And for 25 years, it was a wonderful privilege that I had to serve in that capacity. During that time as well, I served with the Billy Graham Association and traveled mainly in the United States as I directed the counseling and follow-up of that organization. During my time, my daughter Corley called me in June 2001 to say that Fern had cancer. Those were very dark days for us. I hurried back as quickly as I could, was, got home by the time she had the surgery, and then chemo attacked Fern's nerve endings. And for 10 years, she suffered with extreme pain. We prayed together every night, and as we knelt beside the coffee table in the living room, there are a number of times that Fern would say that the pain was so unbearable, unbearable that she didn't even know if she could make it the next few minutes. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, she would ask me to pray that Jesus would take her home just to relieve her from that horrible pain. Mm -hmm. Thursday night, Fern did not sleep at all because of the pain. And so Friday, I called an ambulance to take her to St. Paul's. The medical people finally got the pain down by one in the morning. On Monday, March 21st, 2016, I was planning on taking Fern home. As I watched her, I could see that she was in dire straits. She was talking about an extreme headache. And during that time, God gave me the insight to know that it was not anything else but a brain bleed. So during that time, I prayed that God would just graciously take Fern home. She had suffered enough. Remember as we had our last time together, I was holding her hand, and I said, I love you, sweetheart. And she lifted up my hand and kissed my hand, and she said, I love you too. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time we spoke. God took her home while our children were there with me. Room 704 in St. Paul's Hospital has been a special place for me to visit. Over the years, I've done hospital visitation. I continue to do that. I remember one special time. The room was empty. It was clean. So I went in there and spent some time with the Lord and thanking the Lord Jesus for taking Fern to be with him. <clears throat> July 13, 2018 was our 50th anniversary. I took time to go out to visit the gravesite and again thanked Almighty God for Fern, for rescuing her from pain, knowing that she is with him forever. And I praise him for that. How is this possible? Have I become angry? No. Did I ever become bitter? No. God never changes. He does not make mistakes. Of course, the key is to have an intimate relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what started it all. And perhaps today you're wondering about that. Maybe you've never made a personal commitment to Christ. Maybe you've never acknowledged the fact 
that you need to know Jesus personally. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And we know from Scripture how clear that is. When Jesus talks about asking us to come in and live with him and he with us. We're just so very, very thankful as I look back on my life that I confess that Jesus Christ was Savior and Lord. And perhaps even today, as you're listening to this testimony from Marilyn and I, you know that you can have that relationship with him. As I look back on that journey, I didn't realize that God would have a wonderful surprise for me. Four years before Fern passed away, she made a very stunning statement that was extremely alarming to me. She stated, if she was to die before I did, she wanted me to marry Marilyn Fulford. <coughs> that statement really upset me because I was praying for Fern's healing. I had no desire to be with anybody else. That conversation would be revisited once in a while, right up to her passing. I will let Marilyn complete this story, and I will come back and visit with you. I was raised in a Christian home, and at the age of four, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and come into my life. In my teens, I committed myself to prepare to serve him. When I was 14 years old, I began to pray that someday God would give me a husband that loved him more than anything else in the world and whose heart's desire was that the Lord Jesus would take first place in his life. Psalm 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I cannot say in the years that followed that I always rested or that I always waited patiently, but over time, God gave me new insight into these verses. As my understanding changed, I began to ask that he make his desires my own. I also prayed that if marriage was not to be a part of my life, that he would give me new desires. Most of all, I prayed that I would remain in the center of his will. My heart's desire never changed, so I continued to pray. And 49 years after my first prayer for a husband, I realized that my friendship with Bruce was becoming something much more. God was answering my prayer in a most unusual way. This new friendship wasn't something that we had planned. Bruce was content as a widower enjoying his family, and I had accepted my singleness as God's best for me. As our friendship deepened, however, I was drawn to Bruce's love for the Lord and for his unchanging word, to his love for people and his desire that they come to know Jesus in a personal way, to his love for Fern and to his commitment to Fern and to their family to his gentleness and kindness, his love for life, so many things attracted me to him. As our friendship began to blossom, we realized that waiting on God's timing would be absolutely essential. Bruce knew that he needed time to heal from Fern's long years of suffering and her untimely death. 
we both know that his need for healing will continue for the rest of his life. Secondly, because we didn't know if God was leading us together, we chose to keep our friendship quiet. Consequently, we spent many hours on the telephone, we sent lots of emails and hundreds of texts, and shared a time of prayer on the phone almost every evening. Most couples would have spent time together doing things, but all we could do was talk, so that's just what we did. We talked and laughed together and prayed diligently for God's direction because we wanted only His best for Bruce's children and grandchildren, and of course, for ourselves. We prayed that the Lord would prompt Coralie and Boyd to ask their dad if he had ever thought of remarrying. When they didn't raise the question by April of 2019, Bruce approached them. Their response was very positive. In fact, Coralie wanted us to marry sooner rather than later. The morning after learning of our friendship, she was online looking for rings. A couple of weeks later, Coralie and I went shopping and bought the first wedding dress I tried on. We had prayed and God had provided. We were married in July of that same year. Before God and these witnesses, your loving and faithful wife, in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall Bruce's family wanted us to live in his house, just three doors down from the two most amazing grandsons in the whole world. I was delighted to comply with their wishes and I absolutely love my new home and family. As a supporter of Christian Counseling Services, I was familiar with Bruce and Fern, although I didn't know them. In 2001, when Bruce started to work in my home church as pastor of pastoral care, I was able to get to know them a little better. I admired Fern, although somewhat from afar. I was drawn to her because I saw in Fern a deep commitment to the Lord Jesus, something that I wish to emulate. Many years ago, I remember telling my mom that if I ever did marry, I would like Dr. Pringle to do our marriage counseling. I knew that as an only child who had been a single woman for decades, I would need some professional help. God is so full of surprises. Dr. Pringle did do my premarital counseling for free. Over the many months since Bruce and I have become special friends, I have grown to love Fern more and more as he has shared so much with me about his loving and courageous wife. I am so thankful for her trust. She has given me the greatest gift that I could have ever imagined, a husband and a family. Thank you for allowing us to come into your homes and visit with you. Perhaps as we shared our story, you recognize that what you need to do is have a personal relationship with Jesus to invite him to come into your life. Or perhaps you need healing, like I needed a tremendous healing from Almighty God. And you can ask God to touch you. You can also make arrangements to contact someone in this church, the Rock Church. We're so proud 
of Dallas and Leah and all God has done to minister to them and to minister to so many people. So if you have a need today, you can ask Jesus to touch you. As he tells us, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly of heart and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless you. Thank you to Bruce and Marilyn for sharing their story. It is an incredible gift to watch what God has done in their lives. And as Dallas and I have had a inside view on how God put the two of them together, we've been really blessed to watch the humility that Marilyn has had to walk into such a beautiful ready-made family. She has continued to keep Fern's picture up and all of the reminders of their lives together for Bruce and Fern. And that has just been such a testimony of the way that she has loved Bruce well, loved Fern well, and loved her children and grandchildren well. God bless them. Ladies, we bless you. We thank you for joining us today. We ask that you would continue to pray with us. Thank you for your giving, for considering giving what you would normally give to her story when you come. It is helping us to do what we do here and reach people. And if you're interested and you want to know more about our programs, you can find your give button or you can find your website right on your screen. You can find out more about our programs and how we need you to be involved with us. It has been such a pleasure to have technology and all the ways to connect with you. So thank you again to our tech team that makes this all possible. I just wanna leave you with a verse. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Psalm 107 verse two. That is what her story is about. So go out and tell the story of Jesus. Tell what he has done in your life and look for stories all around you. And when you find some stories, send me their names because we always need a new story every month. Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, for this special Her Story history. In the place we met where hopelessness meets grace Silence all the noise Every whispered lie puts a whisper perfect peace And even in my doubt I will not forget You are faithful still to me I won't take a single step Till I hear your voice I surrender And when my eyes Cannot see It's your voice That's leading me Out of darkness
Here I wait for 
silence now I'm holding on to your truth I won't take a single step Until I hear your voice I surrender And when my eyes cannot see It's your voice Crush the enemy. Oh, one moment till you speak. 